Hello, this is Mrs Gladwin and today I'm going to talk to you about the Southern Gothic and about To Kill a Mockingbird in particular. The, the American novelist William Faulkner said, the past is never dead, it's not even past. To me, this characterises the Southern Gothic novel. It is a genre looking back at the past and the past of the Old South in particular. The Southern Gothic has its origins in the American South's violent history of slavery before the Confederate defeat in 1865. This period has often wrongly been romanticised by some white southerners as a stable, genteel, pre-industrial idyll, free from the stresses and strains of modern life. This period is sometimes known as the Antebellum period. The name might ring bells to you because in June 2020, American band Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A in an attempt to blunt their name's racist connotations. The Southern Gothic explores the extent to which the often idealised vision of the traditional chivalrous rural South was founded on very different historical realities of slavery, racism and patriarchal oppression. To Kill a Mockingbird is very much a tale of the South, which was an area that had been in decline for over 60 years by the time the novelist set in the early 1930s. After the defeat of the Confederacy, at the end of the American Civil War, the South was plunged into poverty and economic decline. The poverty is evident throughout the novel in the depiction of families like the Yules and the Cunninghams. When you start to look for it, evidence of the South's slaveholding past is ever, keeps cropping up throughout the novel. The Finch's ancestral home, Finch's Landing, is an old plantation and the Finch's are the direct descendants of slave owners. Bob Yule is named after the Confederate general, Robert E. Lee. Mrs. Jabose hides a Confederate pistol in her skirts, and when it snows, the character, Mr. Avery, comments that it hasn't snowed in Maycomb since Apotomax, Apotomax being the southern defeat. All these constant details remind us that Maycomb is a place looking back at a dark, repressive past. Harper Lee's presentation of setting the small southern town of Maycomb is also typical of the Southern Gothic. There is a sense of decay and decline all over the town. Listen to this description of the Radley place. Rain-rotted shingles drooped over the eaves of the veranda. Oak trees kept the sun away. The remains of a picket drunkenly guarded the front yard, a swept yard that was never swept, where Johnson grass and rabbit tobacco grew in abundance. It's a haunted house, but, but it's haunted by repression and cruelty rather than anything supernatural. The ghost who is hiding in the house is revealed to be the kind and gentle Boo Radley by the end of the novel. Similarly, the Yule house is described as the playground of an insane child. The house is filthy, dilapidated and surrounded by junk. Bob Yule's abuse and neglect of his family is well known, but social services choose not to get involved only making sure that the Yule children attend school for the first day of each academic year. Even Atticus, the novel's hero, dismisses the Yules as trash, who are incapable of change of any kind. The town's courthouse, which should be a symbol of justice, is described as sagging in the square, and the jail as a miniature Gothic joke. By presenting these places, which should be symbols of law and order in this way, Harper Lee makes it very clear that the legal system in Maycomb will not provide any justice for Tom Robinson, whose trial forms the centre story of the novel. 
a sense of death and decline also permeates around the families in the novel. Scout and Shem's mother has died of a heart attack several years prior to the novel opening, apparently it ran in her family. Bob Yule's wife is also dead. Still, Scout and Shem's friend is an unwanted child passed around between relatives, and Tom Robinson's children are, by, are fatherless by the end of the novel. There is a sense of early death in incomplete families that sometimes, but not always, results in unloved and neglected children. At the start of the novel, Scout and Jem are shown to be having a happy childhood, but very much absorbed in a world of imagination. They're fascinated with death and the supernatural, and avidly read horror stories that they share with their friend Dill. Their games are concerned with ghosts, and they discuss haints and hot steams. One of their favourite games is pretending to be Boo Radley and trying to make Boo Radley come out of his house. As the novel progresses, the children start to move away from the world of imagination as they follow the trial of Tom Robinson. They also learn not to believe the rumours in the town about Boo Radley and to take people at face value and to treat others with empathy. The gothic theme of violence is present throughout the novel. It most obviously manifests itself in the unjust death of Tom Robinson. However, when the lynch mob comes to the jail to take him away, and is only prevented from doing so by Scout, the reader is reminded of the extrajudicial killings or lynchings that took place in the South. This is a world where people could behave with appalling violence and get away with it, as those in power turned a blind eye to terrible wrongdoing. Similarly, as I have mentioned before, everyone in the town knows what goes on in the Yule household, and yet nothing is ever done about it. Following the trial, Calpurnia is followed home and threatened by Bob Yule, and the children are attacked as he attempts to murder them. All this happens in a small rural town that believes itself to be friendly. There's this sense of violence and injustice, constantly simmering away just below the surface and threatening to boil over at any time. Although we see many examples of kindness in the novel, it is also figured with, filled with monstrous figures. An incident of teenage misbehaviour, Boo Radley is locked up and treated cruelly by his father. Another of the Finch's neighbours, Mrs Jabose, continue, continually torments the Finch children until Jem destroys her camellias and is forced to read to her by Atticus as punishment. She is physically disgusting, she drools, her house smells, and she often seems not to be listening when Jem reads to her. However, after her death, Atticus reveals to the children that she was a morphine addict who has managed to break free from addiction prior to her death, and the reader is left able to admire her, despite her, her unkind behaviour and many unappealing qualities. However, it is the revelation of Boo Radley at the end of the novel that really challenges the children's perceptions of what a monster actually is. Scout realises that Boo has been a kindly protector throughout the novel, wrapping a blanket around her shoulders during the, uh, the fire and saving her life when Bob Yule tries to murder her. Scout realises that Boo is real nice and that most people are when you get to know them. This shows how far Scout has come from a small child who entertained herself by trying to make Boo Radley come out, from an older girl who was able to um, to empathise and understand Boo Radley and look at things from his point of view. Just standing on the Radley porch was enough. Much of what goes on in To Kill a Mockingbird is deeply disturbing. Tom Robinson is found guilty despite the fact that Atticus has categorically proved him to be innocent. 
we know that he would face the, electrical, the electric chair should he lose his appeal. However, in the end, he is shot trying to escape from prison. The death of an innocent man who is o whose only crime is to feel sorry for a white woman is the great injustice at the centre of the novel. Another injustice is the fact that, that um, Bobby all goes unpunished, as does Mayella. Their behaviour has resulted in the death of an innocent man, and Bob has also got away with abusing his own daughter. Boo Radley also returns to the Radley house and is never seen again, which to me adds an additional tone of sadness to the novel, given the fact that he has finally actually met Scout, Scout face to face. She has come to understand who he really is. Despite this, though, there are many hopeful aspects to the novel, which render it not entirely gothic. It is clear that there are many characters, minor characters, around the fringes of the novel who've actually been working to help Tom Robinson. There is evidence that the jury is not as easily convinced as they might once have been. These details point to a better future. They're baby steps, as Atticus says, in the right direction, but they are steps nonetheless. To Kill a Mockingbird is also a story of childhood, and there are lots of lovely touches of humour and realistic depictions of family life that make it very clear that this is a story set in the real world and not a fantastical or imagined past, as many earlier gothic texts are. One moment that always makes me smile is when Spagout experiments with swearing and asks a relative to pass her the damn ham. Although it has many features of the gothic novel, I think To Kill a Mockingbird is so much more than that. It has a warmth, realism and message of hope, which to me are the reasons why it has remained a novel that is loved by so many people years after it was written. It's one of those books that even people who don't like reading talk about with enthusiasm. And if you haven't already read it, I highly recommend that you do. It's wonderful and you're in for a treat. Thank you very much for listening.